Maybe a handshake, guys. Lots of beards in here. It's probably not comfortable to kiss. So just take a moment, say hi to everybody this morning. Thank you. 
should go greet your brothers. Yeah, you're gonna sing with that mic closer. It was the last part was too high, so I was trying to just hold it down oh. and give the appearance of singing. If you don't sing it close enough, we'll get you a headset. What? That way you can dance. It was just it was just the the chorus was just a little too high, so okay. I held it down so that they couldn't hear me be too high. They have to let you do that. It's true. Our God is a lion, 
the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and he's fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? He's fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. Stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Declare this. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power, and He's fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before him.
Anybody testify to that this morning? Nothing can stop her, Lord. Father, 
Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Oh, you are. 
Pero
just going to wait here. If you just want to praise him in prayer, speak out. Go ahead. God of love, and Lord, you are a mighty warring God as well, who fights our battles, and we know that the battle belongs to you, Lord, it's not by power and might, by you, Lord.
the saints and angels they bow before your throne all the elders cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing you're worthy of it all Picture what you're joining with in heaven. You are worthy of it all. All bow down before the King. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory.
God, I don't know what you're doing here this morning, but uh, I thank you for stirring up our, our praise. You know, for some of you, it's not comfortable to sit in silence, and some can move easily in, in singing in the Spirit or and just praising Him, but I think it's something for all of us to practice. It's not something I'm personally comfortable with, just so you know, especially you boys. I can see you guys sitting there like, what are we doing? What words do we come up with to tell God he's, he's amazing, he's awesome? He's doing amazing things. He's done amazing things, and he's going to do amazing things. Now we thank you for who you are. We praise your name, Jesus. Father, you are king of kings above every other God. You are the Lord Almighty, mighty to save. You're all these things. Lord, we declare you as these things. It's that title. It's who, it's who you are. It's your character. We declare those things through our lives, our lives through every area of our community, of our province, of our nation. Because you're moving in the nations, you're moving in the world, Lord. So we acknowledge that and we partner with it. Because you're not just a God that likes to be adored, you are an active God. You're moving, you're doing stuff. We praise you, Father. Praise you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercy, your grace. 
anybody else, but did, did you did you really sense the presence of God this morning as we were worshiping? I mean, that was powerful, wasn't it? That was powerful. I just hear a couple of amens. That was powerful. I just I just felt like, you know, we, we were just, the, the, the Lord's presence was just so, was just so, it was like as we were just moving into just, you know, as, as, as we were singing songs that helped us to, to remind us of who we are in Jesus and what the Lord has done for us and and um, and then as we just moving that song you know uh, great are you Lord it was just like I felt did you feel that when we were moving into that song I just felt that I don't know about you guys but I, uh, I just want you to let you know that you're really this is a blessed church and uh, it's a really great to have a, a worship team and the giftings that we have here um, uh, just really 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 value that and uh, so thank you ryan for leading the team and and keeping it greased and organized and and uh just just a great man i just it was god awesome i don't know about you guys i just felt it was awesome so i enjoyed myself i don't know if you did or not but i did i just kind of closed my eyes and shut in and just said hey let's go for it you know let's just go for it and just oh i just felt the presence of, of the lord just i just felt like just saying hey we just got to come around this like just get closer. It was awesome. So good morning, everyone. And if you're visiting with us first time, um, welcome. And uh, if, if you, uh, I remember uh, there was a guy back in Windsor, and maybe you've heard this before, but I always talked to Lewis Crosley. Lewis, uh, just to kind of give you a little background on him, he had a couple of bad heart attacks when he was in his 30s. And his wife was down on the floor, and she said, oh, Lord, don't let him die. And she prayed over him, and that man is in his 80s now. And I forget the percentage of the blockages that he has in his in his in his uh, arteries and stuff. He, sh- it's like really he shouldn't be alive, but he's still going. And he always said, "I want to be under the spout where the, is it where the glory comes out? I want to be under the spout where the glory comes out." So uh, he had no problem, you know, getting getting close and and uh, worshiping the Lord. And he and I'll tell you, he also loved it when we had our ski retreat, which is geared up for. For the younger crowd, and it was loud, a lot louder than it is this morning, I can tell you that. And, and he said, I don't care if we lift the roof off the place. 
he said it was just great to worship and uh, and so he and his wife again like in their 80s they'd be there with all the teenagers and young adults and and be right in there and just enjoying it so yeah i just felt like some of the glory was spouting out today and i trust you felt the same um just a few announcements and i know penny's going to bring an announcement as well but a few announcements before we receive our offering and uh you know if he if he's worthy of it all he's worthy of 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 everything isn't he? he's worthy of our time he's, he's worthy of our giftings that he and he's bestowed those giftings on us and he's worthy of of receiving uh, a blessing back of the portion that he's blessed us with. So as we prepare our hearts in a few moments to worship the Lord in our giving. But just want to mention, of course, uh, coming up on the 26th, uh, the, the Sorensons are going to be hosting their life group at 7.30 p.m. And, of course, uh, we have our plan to protect training that's going to be coming up uh, later in the month, of course, times and uh, the date to be announced. And... Um, and, and Frank, where you're close to the microphone, would you, would you want to uh, lead us in that, in that prayer? As we receive today's offering, we're believing you for heaven opened, oh, heaven opened, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, calls, position and promotions, provision and resources, to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me, so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. So this morning, if you have your Bible with you, and I think we may have uh, on the screen as well, but uh, if we can move into, again, we're going to revisit um, Joshua 6, and if you have your Bible with you, you can also, uh, I know some of you use electronic devices, phones, and things, and of course we get the internet here, so it's easy to find the Bible on Bible Gateway and all that sort of thing, but also... Um, just stick a marker, perhaps, even in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10 as well. 1 Corinthians 10. This morning I want to talk about, um, we talked about last week, talk about overcoming strongholds. And this morning I want to talk about pulling down strongholds. So if you were with us last week, we talked about overcoming, we talked about how the Lord had told Joshua, See, I have given you, he said, delivered Jericho into your hands. And so he touched on the idea that we needed to see with eyes of faith. That even though they hadn't went in there yet, even though the walls hadn't come down, God was making a declaration. He was making a pronouncement that this is what was going to happen, in the, not just in the future, but it was actually now. This was a now thing. They needed to see, eye, to see that with their eyes of faith. The other thing was we discovered that in order to overcome strongholds, we need to employ divine power. And, it, and I liken the divine power in re- reference to the strategy that the Lord had given Joshua. How many would agree that that was a pretty unconventional military strategy? 
that they would march around the walls of Jericho once for six days, and then on the seventh, they would march around seven times. And they would blow the trumpets, and they would shout, and the walls would come down. Just not very, just not something that you would go to and find in the military playbook, so to speak. The other thing was, is that we needed to follow the prescription. And so this morning, I want to talk about pulling down strongholds. And so we're going to, we're going to look at um, Joshua 6. We're not going to read all of the, the, the text because we covered a lot of that and we summarized that uh, right now uh, when it, we talked about how in the verses 1 down through uh, 15 that Joshua basically told the, all those that were, were necessary to tell gave them the, what the Lord had commanded him, and then they followed through with it. And it says that in verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. The wall collapsed. And in, and in um, and I believe it was 2 Corinthians, not 1st. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so, Lord, we just come to you this morning once again, and we just ask for your help as we explore this today. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. Because, Lord, as, as, I was, as we're singing these songs today, it was so timely because, Lord, it just seems like you orchestrated that we were just singing about songs of deliverance. We were singing about songs of, of that because we are children of God, we're not slaves to fear. And so, Lord Jesus, for those who may be struggling today, may this be of help. May this be a, a word of edification. May you give us strength. May you give us a strategy. And we, we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So for those who might not have been with us, you might know the story very well. We were discovering that Joshua in leading the children of Israel, if he was going to possess the land, if they were going to possess the land, and keep in mind that this land was a land that was of uh, abundance, a land of provision, a land of blessing, something that God had promised to them as an inheritance. But in order to get into that land the way that God desired, Jericho, which was a city, but not a city only. You see, Jericho was a military stronghold. And if you weren't able to take out the stronghold, even if you advanced, that stronghold would come back around to bite you, so to speak. So it had to be dealt with. And of course, we recalled the story and how this group of nomads, they were going up against a walled city, two, two walls, very thick, very high, guarded by about a 15-foot walkway. And interesting is this, and I mentioned this already, but in the ancient, in the ancient world of warfare, 
that when an invading army conquered and tried to conquer the enemy territory, their top priority, the number one thing on your list, was to remove the power of the stronghold. Because if you failed to do that, if you failed to do that, then what would happen was that the enemy stronghold would then reoccupy the territory. So in a lot of ways, we're talking about deliverance as well. See, there's a lot of people today, we, we're, we're Christians and we're in that land, we're in that land of promise. How many understand that Jesus came to give life and more abundantly? When you're born again, he's given you life and more abundantly. But how many know that we still wage war against a sinful nature? We still wage war against the enemy of our soul who will use different tactics to try to stop us from going into all that God wants and desires for us. And not just as individuals, but he does this on other levels as well. He does this in families. He does this, in fact... Uh, it's interesting, and I, and I can't get into all this this morning, but I totally believe that even at the foundations of the family, and I have some evidence with them about this, is that as he gets in and he destroys families, I want you to understand that when you destroy a family, you destroy a building block of society. And it has repercussions. It has repercussions when it comes to the economy. It has repercussions when it comes to the social political landscape. So we're talking about the fact that when the devil is trying to destroy your life, he's not just destroying your life on an individual level. He's trying to destroy, in fact, nations. Nations. And some of the things that we deal with are not just moral issues. It's not just about whether it's ethical or not. These are things that God has designed in order for life to work the right way. How many believe that God is not a square and wants to suck the fun out of your life? How many understand that God puts up boundaries and he puts up, he he establishes an order so that life works the right way? God is not square. He doesn't try to rob you of fun. And I want you to know if parents are doing the right job, also parents are not trying to be square. They're trying to protect you, trying to give you what you need. So young people, take that and run with it. So five things. I'm going to look at five things, and I'm going to try to hit them as efficiently as I can this morning because I don't want to preach a sermon and a half. Five things. Look at verse 13 Joshua 5. Verse 13, Joshua 5. So you've got to go back a little bit. First thing I want to highlight is this, that we need to identify the strongholds in our lives. We need to identify the strongholds in our lives. Look at verse 13, Joshua chapter 5. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho. When Joshua was near Jericho. Why did Joshua go near Jericho? It was because he was identifying the stronghold. So how do we identify strongholds? First of all, I want to just highlight this, the Holy Spirit. How many have ever had the Holy Spirit knock on your heart's door at sometimes the most inopportune time, like at 3 a.m.? Have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night and the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door? It's fantastic to know that the Holy Spirit 
when you're born again, comes and abides within you. He makes his dwelling place within you. Your body, the Bible says, Paul tells us, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said that he would, this is the Holy Spirit, would teach us all things and guide us into all truth. And that's not just meaning that he will illuminate biblical truths. But how many understand he also does the painful work of conviction? Conviction is not a popular word because it feels bad. But how many know that when you feel bad about something, then if it's against what God wants, then we will desire to change that. So it's not a bad thing. Conviction leads to repentance. It leads to change. And so he talks about the truth. He wants to, be, he wants to show us what's true about ourselves. And sometimes he reveals areas in our life where Satan has established and he's gotten himself a foothold. And so he reveals these things to us so we can begin to do something about it. And in Romans 8, verses 26 to 27, it tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, makes intercession for us. And here's an interesting thing. It says that he searches the heart. How many know one of the greatest uh, ways... Or, or, or sometimes the ones that de- deceive us the best is actually ourselves. We are masters of self-deception. And yet it's the Spirit of God who comes in and he searches the, the deep corridors of our hearts. And it's times when he will identify what it is that needs to be dealt with. The other thing is that there's the Word of God. Word of God, for example, in the book of Galatians, Paul identifies two sets of fruit. It's the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.19 down to 21, Paul says, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, I want you to know this morning that when I read that, I discover myself in that passage. I want you to understand that we're not perfect. We have not arrived yet. This is not... We are not working or living now in the fullness of the consummated kingdom of God. Yes, the kingdom of God is here. King Jesus is here. Hopefully he's ruling and reigning in our lives. But how many understand that we still have the fruit of the flesh? There's still the flesh that we battle. I don't know about you, but there's times when I'm jealous. If we're honest. There's times when I'm selfish. Anybody else can say with a lifting of a hand that there's times when I find myself doing these things. Thank you. There's some of us that are honest this morning. Praise God. And so he says in Colossians, for example, Colossians 3, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire. Notice what Paul says. He says, put it to death. Put it to death. Who put it to death? You put it to death. In other words, it's we crucify the flesh. 
And because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Now, here's the thing. We're not sons of disobedience. We're sons and daughters of God. Amen? It's not that we don't sin. It's that we, because we're sons and daughters, we love God and we want want to honor Him. We want to live for Him. The difference is we don't practice this as a normal, everyday lifestyle. But if you're like me, we still struggle. There's still things that we have not yet arrived. You know, we talk about David, King David. And oftentimes we, we, we hook onto that idea that David was a man after God's own heart. You ever hear tell that? He was a man after God's own heart. I like David because David was a musician. I like music. I like stringed instruments. And David was a worshiper. But there's a story that really doesn't line up with this whole idea of David being a man after God's own heart. And you probably can say, I know exactly the story you're going to go to. 2 Samuel 11 and 12 records a story. So you've got the spring of the year. The flowers are blossoming. Kings are going off to war. And David, the king, does not go to war. And instead of, instead of going... To he sent Joab, and one evening he gets up out of his bed, and he, he goes out on, onto the rooftop, and lo and behold, he spies a married woman taking a bath. I mean, this is, if this were on the silver screen, it would be restricted. Amen? And so David, what does he do? He sees, he, all of a sudden now, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, takes over. And so the next thing you know, he's, he has her sent for, inquires of her, finds out that she's the daughter of Uriah the Hittite, sends his messengers to get her, has an affair with her. And so the next thing you know, you, you've got your soap opera happening here. Man after God's own heart. And yet here he is in this situation. How did he get there? We have an enemy. It's the flesh. Amen? It's the flesh. So now what do you do for God's own heart? What does he do? He, sends, he, sends, uh, he tries to cover his track. He sends word to Joab when they're on a military campaign to send Uriah home. Send Uriah home. Try to get him to go back to his place. Try to get him drunk. You know the plan. The plan failed. So what does he do? He writes, jo- he writes Joab a letter telling him to put Uriah on the front lines of battle where he knew the defenders were the strongest and so he dies in the battle. So you've really got yourself a problem here. Man after God's own heart. Tries to cover up the mess. So you've got a dead husband. You've got a, a marriage that's dissolved. You've got adultery that's trying to be concealed. And you've got David right now coming, and he's smelling like roses. He comes out. It seems like everything's all great. Sorry, because in tw- verse 26 of Samuel, 2 Samuel, it says, But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. And David was guilty of what John said in 1 John 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, the Bible says, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. As I said before, we are oftentimes the ones who can deceive ourselves the best. But you can never deceive God. Amen? 
You can never deceive God. It's important because if we deceive ourselves, we're not identifying the AA, for example, if someone's an alcoholic, is that they need, to, they need to admit that they have a problem before they can actually receive any help. So we need to admit what we have. And sometimes it means we need to be humble. But again, in this instance, David was deceiving himself, but you cannot fool God. It's kind of like the guy who was, the husband who was drunk. And he snuck upstairs. And he went up there really quietly. And he looked in the bathroom mirror. And as he was looking in the bathroom mirror, he started bandaging up all his bumps and bruises he had received in a fight earlier that evening. Then he decides to quietly get into bed beside his wife. And he's saying, wow, she'll never know anything happened. So the morning comes and... He opens his eyes, and his wife is standing there, looking at him. And she looks at him and says, You were drunk last night, weren't you? Oh, no, no, I wasn't drunk. She said, Well, if you weren't, who put all the band-aids on the mirror? (laughs) Honesty, right? Honesty. So we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to admit our struggles, or we can never identify the strongholds that are in our lives. So what does God do about David? He blew the whole thing wide open. He sends Samuel, the prophet, and he says, David, you're the man. David, you're the man. So we need to identify the stronghold. Second thing is we need to cut off the supply routes. Look at verse 1, Joshua 6. It says, now Joshua, or excuse me, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Again, number two, we need to cut off the supply routes. So how does it work when it comes to a military stronghold in those days? Well, one of the first things that they would do is they they would try to isolate the stronghold. I want you to know it works conversely when the devil wants to get you and get you good. He will try to isolate you from the flock. But in this instance, what we need to do is isolate the stronghold. So you need to cut off the supply route to the stronghold. And so one of the methods that the Romans would use was to construct a wall around the stronghold. That way, no one could come in and no one could go out. And there was a reason for that. Two main reasons. And the reasons was this. It was to cause the stronghold to surrender by cutting off the supplies of food and weapons. And it was also to prevent anyone from leading to provide intelligence to allies who might try to come and rescue the stronghold. So how does that apply to us today? Well, here's the simple answer. And you can apply it in whichever way you desire. But whatever it is that we struggle with, And I'm going to use this because this is a really good sanitary example. I have, I have a stronghold. It's cake. And chocolate chip cookies. Blueberry pie. Baked cheesecakes. Snickers and Kit Kat bars. It's a stronghold. Because, you see, I can sit down and have all the good intentions 
Because, you know, it's like yesterday I went and I got, because Logan requested steak. We haven't had steak for a long time. So I splurged. I got steak. Sirloin steak. Only three, but they were good size. We cut them up after we barbecued. And they, they were oh so tender. I also had some chicken breasts left over from making, and Johnny was there when I made it, right? Chicken Alfredo. Wasn't it good? I'm learning. I'm, I'm becoming a good cook while Christian's working. Chicken Alfredo. It's awesome. Lots of Parmesan cheese. And so I sat down last night, and we had potatoes out of the garden. And we had mushrooms, and, and we had peppers. Healthy. And I had chicken and some steak. Not a lot of steak, but just a taste. Mouth water. I mean, I had oatmeal in the morning. I had chicken alfredo at lunch. I had this healthy protein. And not a lot of potato, but just enough and, and it was a good portion control because I've noticed that in the mirror when I turn to the side that this is poking out a little more. And anyway, you probably get the picture. So I have a stronghold. And so I'm trying to do my very best to resist the enemy of sugar and trans fats and high calories because I realize that it weakens me it, 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 it makes me soft and squishy it's not what protein does to guys it builds up some strength no I was giving and, I, and here it was in the evening and what does Christy Hand do she makes a pound cake an orange pound cake and it started with a pop tart and then it will move the cake. One piece. I'm just going to have one piece. Can I have a piece? Yeah. I asked for permission. And I got permission to have, well, you know. I got one piece turned into three pieces before bed. And I woke up in the, in the middle of the night. She said I was tossing and turning all night. No wonder. I had so much glucose in my bloodstream and nowhere to use it. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt conviction. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was this round thing in the front. And I'm realizing I have to repent. And I have to change. I have to say no. I have to put a wall. I have to cut off the supply route. And I said, if we don't buy it, I can't eat it. Amen? Cut off the supply route. No more chips coming into the, oh, the evening. You get the, anybody get the munchies in the evening? And, and it's like, what do they do? They put hamburger commercials on at night. And here you are thinking, oh, no frills has chips for 97 cents. And so you want to go get a, not just one bag, you want to get three bags. Ripple and sour cream and onion. Right? And what else do we get? I don't know. So here you are, you're, you're, you're trying to fight, you're trying to say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat healthy, I'm going to work out. And as far as the working out gets, it's, it's clicking on your thumb on your phone. That's the only thing that gets any exercise. It's your, it's your thumb, either on the phone or on your remote control. And you know, really, because you... But you see where I'm coming from. This is a very clean and very sanitary a way to put this, by the way, right? But in the same way, when it comes to our spiritual life, if we're going to be able to move into what God desires for us, the bottom line is... Is we, if, if, there, if we have an issue in our life that is causing us 
to not have the freedom that God desires, not have the abundant life that God desires, what we need to do is identify the stronghold, and mine was the cookies and the cake, oh, so good, and cut off the supply route. I remember one guy in Yarmouth, he, his, he, had a, he struggled with drinking. And he decided one time that enough was enough, and he took the stuff out of his refrigerator, and he dumped it down the toilet, and that was the last time. So whatever it is, it's feeding the stronghold, cut off the supply, kill the supply. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Listen to this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So ask yourself the question, what is the stronghold? How is it supplied? Are there people in my life supplying that stronghold? You ever watch My 600-Pound Life? You ever notice that there are people in their life that are what you call enablers? So they can't overcome this because someone else keeps supplying them and enabling them to do it and also gives them the excuses. And they can't overcome it because there's, there's also not only the addiction to food but also the fact that they have not been able to break up here that addiction in their mind. Is there something in my environment that's feeding and supplying it? Am I serious about getting rid of this. Identify it, cut off the supply route. Number three, you need to surround it. So what does God tell Joshua to do? March around Jericho. March around Jericho. So this is a fortification. It's a place of defense. Sometimes a frontal attack won't work. For example, the Israeli war of independence was Jewish soldiers that tried to capture the old city of Jerusalem and they tried to do it with a frontal attack and as soon as they got up to the gates of the old city they were thrown back so here's what they did in 1967 they swept around the city to the north they seized the Mount of Scopus then kept on going up to the Mount of Olives to the east and when they had surrounded the city they were able to cut off the supplies and the reinforcements. And even though reinforcements got sent, they kept getting thrown back. And so when the general inside the city realized he was surrounded, he realized that resistance is futile, so he cut his losses and he fled the city. And then they were able to break in with very little resistance. Sounds pretty familiar, really. So does this work with spiritual strongholds? So ask the question, who was it that gave Joshua the strategy for taking Jericho? It was the angel of the Lord, commander of the Lord's army. What was the strategy? The strategy was march around the city for seven days, and then blow your trumpet and give a shout. So they were surrounding the city. They were in obedience to God's word. They were, they were surrounding it with praises to God. They cut off the supply routes. They surrounded it. They protected it. 
And here's what happened. As the power of faith was beginning to grow in their heart, the power of Jericho's walls were getting weaker. So here's the thing. How do you surround a stronghold of negative thinking? Well, how about praising God? You know that there's power in praise? Psalm 32, verse 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but as we were singing songs this morning, I was hearing songs of deliverance. And as we were praising God, singing songs of deliverance, well, I don't know about you, I could not help but feeling the tangible presence of God here this morning. I felt it. It was awesome. And so when you're in this struggle and you're trying to encircle this stronghold, you, what we need to do is we need to surround it with praise. We need to sing psalms and spiritual songs. Because you know what? Demons can't stand when we praise God. Praise is powerful. See, if we're struggling with a stronghold of depression, I don't know about you, but when we were singing songs that had to do with hope in God, it changes the atmosphere. It changes your state of mind. It changes your outlook. If you're struggling with rejection, what we need to do is we need to surround that stronghold of rejection with the understanding that we have been accepted in the beloved. That we have been adopted into the family of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. That should settle your rejection. If you're struggling with a stronghold of unresolved anger, what we need to do is, is embrace not just the grace of God for us, but we need to be able to give away the grace of God for others, and it translates into something called forgiveness and reconciliation. If you're struggling with the stronghold of fear, you need to surround it with the knowledge, just like we were singing this morning, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I am a child of God. And he's not given us a spirit of fear. If you're struggling with failure, you need to surround it with the victory that we have in Jesus. Because he has overcome the world. And if he's overcome, we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors in Christ. This is getting into your spirit this morning. Fourth thing. I only promise five. Build your base camp. Build your base camp. After cutting off the supplies of the stronghold, here's what the Romans would do. They would build an assault camp. And an assault camp was a place where the soldiers would camp out so that they could keep an eye on the stronghold. Notice what I said. It was a place where the, not a a soldier, it was a place where the soldiers, plural, would camp out. And they would keep an eye on the stronghold. How many understand that yours can be a lot stronger when you surround yourselves and you camp out with like-minded believers who offer strength and comfort. They build you up. I remember having buddies when I was a teenager. And I love these guys. These guys were great. 
But I can guarantee you, they loved you enough also to speak the truth in love. And if you stepped out of line, they did not mind, as good guys will do, is to give you a swift kick right in the seat of the pants. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing hanging out with this? Why are you involved in that? How come you're going to... Well, there's a place in Shelburne, about 20 minutes away. Why are you going to the Oxbow on Friday and Saturday nights? See, some guys started getting into things that they shouldn't have got into, but their friends had no problem giving them a swift kick. Boom. Because that was their base camp. They were fellow soldiers and said, listen, you're going the wrong direction. You're getting into the wrong things. This has become a temptation to you. This has become a lure to you. So what does that mean? It means that we need to have some accountability. We need to have some people that we trust that can be our fellow soldiers in the base camp. Ecclesiastes says this verse in chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. So what do we need to do? It doesn't hurt to have some friends. It doesn't hurt to have some people in a base camp. Who that if you find yourself being lured into the wrong thing or, 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 or you're going back and being struggling with, this, with, with, with a similar thing, that they can help you out. They can be there to hold you accountable. Someone once said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. A base camp of ungodly counsel can destroy your life. But conversely, a base camp of godly, trustworthy soldiers who can be honest with you, can help you not only pull down your stronghold, but keep it down so you can have victory in your life. Number five, last thing. Wage war on it. Wage war on the stronghold. For 2 Corinthians 10 again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments... And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice the terms that Paul uses here. He uses terms like arguments. Where do you formulate your arguments, by the way? Where do you formulate arguments? You formulate them in your mind. Where do you store your knowledge besides your computer hard drive? or your USB stick or your phone or your iPad and we can go up list all that but where else do we store it guys besides in a library in our minds thank you that's the... so where are these strongholds they're oftentimes what in the mind it's interesting that Joshua the Lord told Joshua concerning prosperity and success look what he said he said meditate on the word of God don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Because when you meditate on God's word, it renews your mind. Amen? And thereby causing us, as Paul says in Romans 12, to be transformed. So transformation is a result of the renewing of the mind, a mind that is fixed on the knowledge of what God says. What he says about us. 
the truth that's contained therein. And in Ephesians 6, it talks about the weapons that are listed. All the armor of God that Paul lays out in Ephesians 6 is all defensive, but there's two offensive weapons. And first weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word and prayer. So if you want to wage war on the stronghold, talking about the weapons of our warfare, what are the weapons that we are to employ? We're to employ what? The word of God and prayer. Amen? Because when we identify the stronghold and we go to Scripture and we study the opposite truth, the truth gets in and all of a sudden now lies and deception and fear and rejection and false guilt and pride, whatever the stronghold is that is in there, it weakens it. I know that this is true it's also true of some of your experience because I've noticed that there's some people in their conversations. They begin to realize that who they saw themselves to be was not how God sees you. Have we ever found ourselves looking at ourselves and we've always we, we've come across it with an earthly view? We haven't seen what God thinks of us. We covered this one Sunday about our identity in Christ. Remember that? And who we were? Folks, that's a heaven word. And see, some of us have bought into the lies. We've been deceived. We, we've thought, well, this is who I am. But no, folks. Remember, remember the story of the eagle who thought that he was the barnyard chicken? And he clucked like the chicken and he ate like the, you know, he pecked like the chicken. Some of us are eagle still in the barnyard because we still allow the lies and the deception to get in. But we need to focus on God's acceptance. We need to understand who we are in Jesus and we need to employ the divine power to demolish the enemy in our lives. So number, so in, in review, I want you to think about this. Okay, how do we pull down strongholds? Here's my suggestions. Five things. Identify the stronghold. Cut off the supply routes. Surround it, build your base camp, and wage war against it. If you're taking notes, I'll say it again. Identify the stronghold, cut off the supply routes, surround it, build your base camp, and wage war. Can we stand this morning as I invite the worship team to come back? Take courage, yeah, sure. Praise Jesus. I want to ask some questions this morning in application. You can write this down. You can bookmark it in your mind as the worship team begins to play softly. And we're going to open up the altar for a time of prayer because we don't want to walk away without having a chance for, for ministry. But I want to ask this question. As the sound system talks back to us. What is the stronghold or strongholds in my life right now? How is it supplied? 
What feeds it, in other words? Do people in my life supply the stronghold? What is the environment that's feeding and supplying it? Am I serious about pulling it down? Am I willing to make myself accountable to build that base camp? That's a quest. These are questions, six questions that only you know you can answer yourselves. But in, but this morning, this morning, if we could just take a moment and we could just shut in just for a few moments with the Holy Spirit and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and to begin to speak to our hearts. Could we do that just for a few moments? as we just still our hearts before the Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you'll come in your power and that you'll begin to minister, you'll begin to speak to every heart that's here right now. You'll you'll begin to speak to every mind here that's here right now. Because Lord, I, I truly believe you do not want your people to be bound. You do not want your people to be shackled and chained. You want your people to be free. You want your people to be effective. You want your people you want your people to pull down the things that hinder so that they can walk in the abundance of life that you have you have said that is, is ours in Christ. So, Lord, we bind this morning any satanic influence that would reinforce compromise in our lives. We we submit ourselves today to the light of the Spirit of Truth. And we ask, Spirit of Truth, that you will do a work within us to identify and expose that which needs to be dealt with, any stronghold that needs to be pulled down. We proclaim today for those who are struggling that the stronghold will come down. We proclaim that today. We declare it. Because because we are calling upon the one who has the power to do it. Today we purpose in our hearts that we are going to surround the stronghold. We are going to praise We are going to take every negative thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are going to rely on the grace and the power of God until we get victory. Victory in Jesus' name. Victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many believe this morning that you can get the victory in Jesus' name? And if you're here this morning and this message is spoke to you, if you sense the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart, we just want to take a few moments here this morning. And the, the altar's open. We all, we, I like to do this. It's great because we just want to pray for one another, lay hands on one another, and just believe that God... It's going to come through.